Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob, uh, sometimes known as Shuggy Two Sheds. Shuggy. Coming to you from the, was that man only wearing a trench coat Winchester building in the downtown metropolis area? Uh, on today's episode, da, 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 da. That's what they used to do in the 70s shows. You yeah, know, they to emphasize how important something, uh, the next thing being said was. Yeah, like the title of the show. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Murder is not funny, is it? <laughs> <laughs> they used to do that. Yeah. I wish they would do that. Then they'd have to go, act two. <laughs> Just so you know that after the commercial... Is Act Two. <laughs> so. You have left Act One. <laughs> if you thought Act One was continuing now, no. <laughs> they did, and then they'd have. Then they would say, "People know this who, who go back as far as we do." When they, and then they would have epilogue, and then they just have the the cops talking at the end about, "Yes, I'm glad that we caught that guy. Sure am. <laughs> Want to come over to my wife's and have some dinner? Thanks, Joe." And then that would be the epilogue. <laughs> it was never much of an epilogue, but I seem to recall seeing uh, puzzle pieces as well. Oh yeah, the puzzle pieces that would take. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, so I I'm going to try not to remember too much more. I think I'm not sure that we've already kind of gone off script. <laughs> we have not. This was all part of the Again, show. Again, only took two and a half minutes. So uh, on today's episode, we have the second part in our look at. The British New Wave movement of 1977, 19 to 1979, that kind of area. And we Which look at today. The only era. Okay. We look at today the debut album by the Stranglers called Radis Norvegicus, released in 1977. I, you know what? I'm going to tell you about this album in a bit, but I, I've known about this album for like 40 years, and that, this week was the first time I'm able, I actually knew how to say the album title. I still, true. I still don't. I was thinking that going into the show. I've got to learn how to say that. And we'll tell you what it means when we get to the review section of the show. I got a question about that. What? what oh. Which we'll wait for. Okay. Yeah. Like when we review it, like I just yeah, said. Yeah, 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 yeah. When it comes oh. up, it becomes relevant. We should tell everybody that we are not recording at our usual time. No. We are recording at a weekend, of all things, when both of us are usually drunk and <laughs> doing something completely stupid. Yeah. But because it's summertime and Mr. Winchester does not turn on the air conditioning in our office, he turns it on everywhere else in the Winchester building, but he decides that, but he does turn it on on the weekend when nobody's working. So we sneak in on the weekend during the summers and uh, have to. Only, uh, only if it's raining. <laughs> true story, we only do shows in the summer on rainy days. It, it, it is kind of true because those are the only days that we can, it's not like very hot in here. Yeah, those hot summer days, by golly. And I don't know how. Maybe next weekend, I guess we got to do another show. I need a week off. We got like three days off because uh, we delayed this episode, right? We might have middle. to do it a day early because I was looking at the weather and it, it might be uh, still crappy. We always have to crappy look at on the Tuesday. weather. In the summertime, we always so. have to look at the weather and see if it's too hot. We can't do it that day. I guess it's two <laughs> days to the next show. Or we gamble on rain next weekend. I, I I know it's fine. We should just you know, 
tip Mr. Winchester an extra 10 bucks to actually turn on the air <laughs> I just step on spiders. It's cheaper. <laughs> anyways, he's a prick. But anyways, um, also want to mention that, oh, we got a real, I don't know, real exciting uh, segment not a segment. Uh, I'm a block already. of shows. A block of shows coming up. I can't tell anybody what it is. I can't even tell Rob what it is. <laughs> so. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's good. But it's going to be long. It's going to be about five weeks. Oh. But it's 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 going to be really exciting, and it's coming up after we do this, the British New Wave, which we have next week, and then we take right it, after that. That's when I actually get a week off and don't have to write a oh, freaking script yeah. for a week. And I, I've written like, I don't know, like 68 scripts. <laughs> I, uh, I find that the time to, uh, I need that extra week after like three weeks or so. To, to recharge the it batteries. It used to be like I could go 20 episodes in a row and I was fine. Now it's like I need another week because I have to do everything. You used to stay up all night writing by candlelight. Oh no, I used to do that. Yeah, and then you show me nothing. Oh, I didn't come up with anything this week. Oh, well, that's a surprise. Uh, all my stuff gets rejected. Uh, I want to talk about this week. Every week I talk about, uh, it seems like, I talk about a song I heard on the radio. It's getting to be a segment, but it, this is actually true. Like, And I heard on the radio, and it, and this is because, you know, uh, a speaker is blown in my vehicle. So when I put You're in You're hearing one of my, things differently than you did before. Well, no, oh. because I can't put in my CDs of my own music because the sound distorts so badly. So I'm stuck for right now listening to the radio, which I don't usually listen to all that much. And uh, I have to comment on another song I heard because it needs to be torn apart. <laughs> it needs to be dismantled and killed. And, uh, and that is the 1978 smash hit. Oh man. Uh, sometimes when we touch by Dan Hill. <laughs> now I have heard this song because this this song came out at the, about the time that I was starting to listen to the radio and, and get information. So I've heard this song. As I recall, like, it never got much AM play, did it? Oh, I've heard this song fifteen thousand two hundred and forty-two times in my life, but I've never really you listened hear it to at it. Weddings. <laughs> you hear it? You would hear it at weddings I, in nineteen seventy-eight alone. Because I would listen to AM radio, you know, all the time. Like, that was almost all my spare time was trying to absorb everything. Oh, it's on all the time. But I would always ignore it, you know. Yeah, and, see, and that's we, the thing I can't do at my age is I can't sit through the uh, the horrible stuff to get You can't stuff. at a certain age. All of a sudden, you just can't ignore things. You're like, <laughs> oh, it's, I think it's maturity because you always want to hear what the lyrics are about. one day and you say, God, this song is a stinker. I never noticed that oh. before. So I'm driving home from from picking up the groceries last week, and it came on the radio, and the words, especially in the chorus, were so offensive, and I mean offensive to my intelligence, and the intelligence of the listeners, you know, that, that the song was meant for, that it really boggled my mind. So... We're going to look at the lyrics. <laughs> so we're going to look at that and, and let, let's look at why I find it so offensive. So we're going to go to the tab here. I love my tabs. Oh, I love my tabs. This is a new segment called Gary's Stinkers. <laughs> it, it is becoming a weekly segment, isn't it? It's not intentional. Okay, so what, what offended me was when I was in the car and I heard the chorus, which is, 
And sometimes when we touch, the honesty is too much. How is the honesty too much? <laughs> How can the honesty be too much? Like, that's that's stupid. I don't usually get a sense of honesty from touching people. No, I, I don't. Oh. <laughs> and I have to close my eyes and hide. What? You know, he's hiding something else. That's a metaphor. He's pulling the wool over that girl's eyes. I don't even want to do this anymore because it's so disheartening. <laughs> You've got to plow through it. Because I know that I've heard this song 12,000 times and that I've wasted like 12,000. 12,001 was one too many. <laughs> I want to hold you till I die. Now, if you die, why would you want to hold? Oh, I'm dying. Hold me. Like, I could see that if you're dying. But I want, like, that's such a sappy, stupid line. <laughs> Meant meant for stupidity i want to hold you till i die oh, till we both break down and cry why are you crying why are you crying maybe because you're dying <laughs> like that like it's so offensive because it's not real talk it's not real language it's stupid <laughs> talk people in love don't even talk like this yeah this is the whole point of a love uh, makes you stupid and you start to spread out things like this and and you know, oh. does he uh, is he on the list of uh, people who uh, deserve a good nut kicking? Not as much as as your sister deserves a vag kicking, <laughs> but pretty close. But that crying and dying, you know, when uh, one thing I, I, <laughs> I crying, that's a good song. Crying, crying and, and dying, dying. <laughs> I'm crying and I'm dying because you left me, baby. <laughs> Took my heart. I need that heart back right now. I like that. Ten times more than sometimes when we touch. I just, I just, I'm just looking at these lyrics, and it's just like I have no memory of any of her um, uh, crying when I'm happy. Yes, like and wanting to die. Like you're with the person you want to be with, and this you is want the to die. Only thing I ever want to do for the whole rest of my existence is just to hold just you. Now to that, hold you. now if you actually sit, now the 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 ironic thing about this is that this song was written actually by Dan Hill for a, a a girl who left him for another guy to try and win her back. Now, if I wrote lyrics like this to try and win a girl back, I wouldn't because she'd say, are you like a wimp? <laughs> this is why I left you because you wrote shit like this. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd have her back if she'd uh, fall for a song like I think, You know, that's true. Any woman would say, you know what? I love what you wrote. I don't know. Women are different, though. Women are different in that they love the romance. And they yeah, even like they'll, the, the, they'll the fantasy give you more, more points for your effort than for your actual... Yes. Uh, but us being kind of assholes, we look at the reality of it, and people just don't talk like this, and they don't—they don't actually. They if may he had written something smart, maybe he'd have that girl back. Exactly. There are so <laughs> many smart love songs out there. There are millions of them. There are just as many dumb ones. This one yeah, comes right up at the top. I found it. I actually find it offensive because it just preys on your your sentimentality. When it actually is just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I always mm. thought the lyrics were kind of stupid, then I chose to just disregard them. Yeah, uh, It's funny how you can't do Maybe that when you're older, isn't he's it? He's trying to communicate in some language I uh, I don't know, so I'll just leave it alone. Oh, I wish I could leave it alone. <laughs> you I can't could. leave it alone. Because oh. it gnaws at you. Like a rat. So today, <laughs> today we are finally, after four failed attempts, 
going to introduce a new segment on our show. <laughs> yes, we I've tried to bring this up for about a month or more. And it's called Turn the Page. Oh, I was going to go, Papa, don't take no mess. Turn the page. Um, this segment it's is about... This segment is about music books, and more specifically, rock and roll books, uh, that were very important to me when I was becoming a rock music fan. But I needed knowledge, Rob, or guidance into what came before the year I started to listen to music seriously. Like what happened in the previous 20 or 30 years before I started listening to music. You needed a history. A brief I history needed, of I know, I just, I just wanted to get everything. <laughs> but I also didn't want to start off listening to what people thought was bad music. I needed, I needed direction. And uh, there are certain books that were really, they don't make, I don't think they even print books like this anymore. The ones no, that are going to be coming up on this show, they don't, they don't have history of rock and roll books all that much. Uh, I don't know if they do. I learned so much. Like I said, no, last, like I said last episode, I learned so much from the radio. They taught so much, and I learned so much from the printed word. But you have to understand that rock music was only like what twenty years old, just over twenty years old when I started listening. So it was kind of easy to to make a very yeah. It was still condensed enough that. Uh... You could put it all into one uh, study and uh, you can get through it. Right. Now it's kind of overwhelming. It is overwhelming. <laughs> I, I mean, this is, this is, uh, they do have a couple of books out, even that, you know, they have the, the book about the 1000 essential albums and stuff, which are good for people who are young and just starting uh, to find out about music and, uh, but uh and those kind of came out at the the you know the start of the millennium when they wanted to you know catalog all the good records because the millennium was with the the it was like a 20th certain century period was over. there yeah, yeah yeah and uh so i recommend those i haven't read those i don't need to find out what records are good because i either listen to them or know what they are or i know what the bad records most of them are that i want to avoid but a very important book to me was this that I have right here, which nobody can see except Rob. Which it's is, a blue book. It's a blue book. Not the red book. The red book is different. Okay. I can't tell you in a second. Okay, yeah. this is called The New Rolling Stone Record Guide. And it's edited by Dave Marsh, Marsh the very famous critic, and John Swenson. And... Um, this is the second book. It's the blue book, that which came out. And I'm surprised by this. We just did this before the show, and I said, I can't believe this came out in 1983 because I have visions of buying this in like 1981. You somehow thought it came out earlier. Yeah, I thought for sure this was like 1981. Like, are you sure that, you didn't like, have an earlier edition? And this was not even early 1983. This is late. It, it says. On the internet, it came out in October of 19. I find that hard to believe, but if that's what it says, that's what it says. Uh, the internet's a 99%. Yeah, uh, that's also true. Now, the Red Book, as we were talking about, is actually the first Rolling Stone record guide, which came out in 1979. And that, you know, if you look at it like that came out in 79, I could kind of see it coming out in 82, 83, because, you know, you kind of have to wait a little bit before you... <laughs> you know, update it and everything. But I just don't remember it being that late because I was still learning. And, well, and you had the Red Book, didn't you? 
I did not have the red book. Didn't I just, I didn't, I, for some reason, I didn't even know, even though I bought Rolling Stone all the time in the late seventies, I never really had it. And maybe I didn't go into bookstores <laughs> until the eighties, but I actually, there was a bookstore, uh, downtown in our area. And I actually went, I actually used to go to, uh, the bookstore when I used to have a spare in high school. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I would have, we'd have this long lunch and then I would have a really long lunch because the first class in the afternoon, I would have a spare. So I would take, I always used take to the take bus, the yeah. bus downtown on one of those days and look through their library, but not their, well, their bookstore, not their library, their bookstore. Cause they had a really cool bookstore that had music stuff that all the other bookstores didn't seem to have at that time. Rock and roll was not exactly selling off the shelves. People were moving on to other things. Yes. Um, rock and roll became much like biographies and all that became much more popular than it was at the time. And books like this, the the record guide were not real. You had to go to hip places to buy it. Specific places. There are specialty items for nerds. Y yes, yes, actually, <laughs> yes, right. Because you know, record guides where they rate the records and stuff. It's not exactly a page turn. No, it's not a riveting not read for uh, most of the people I know. <laughs> so I saw it and picked it up, and I said, "This is ideal. This is uh, this this kind will help me." And and it's so funny because oh, Dan Hill. <laughs> I swear to God, I opened up at any page and it turned out to be, and I looked Dan Hill right there. That is weird. Um, it is. It is by providence. And can I say that every record that this went up to, which is 1980, Dan Hill got one star. <laughs> now we're going to look at that. This is funny. We're going to look at the one star because they actually tell you what the uh, every star means, and uh, it's really kind of funny because I was, okay, one star, this is a very poor record. <laughs> uh, records in which even technical competence is at question, <laughs> <laughs> or which are remarkably ill-conceived, and that's exactly what Dan Hill's records are. So very, very good. At it. Now, now, a lot of this book is very bitchy because <laughs> critics were much bitchier back then. They could get away with it, and they knew and it they sold. could get away with it, and they had so much power. And but I really wasn't using it to say, "Oh, this critic didn't like this, so I'm not going to get it." It was mostly like uh, just in having a reference for us album list of um, uh, you know uh, what a particular band has done. Right, up to that like time. if a band got four and five stars, have I stars, missed any records? I've got most. Oh, I didn't get that one. Exactly, I didn't even know about that record. Exactly, that's yep. what I was using it for, and a lot for records that got four and five stars all through their discography. And I was going like, oh, I got to check this band out or this artist out. Yeah, that must be very helpful. And always, and it made me. It, it was just so funny sometimes i'm gonna check journey <laughs> i just zip past it so i'm gonna check journey because i know it's gonna be bad journey <laughs> you know you can you see that rob it's got no. all one stars for every single journey album one star which is about as we've never even given no i get i think i might have given something we might have possibly but still <laughs> A whole one band. Star, one star is pretty much as Dave Marsh says, it's incompetent. <laughs> the record is incompetent, and what they're saying at Rolling Stone is that every Journey album made up until 1981 
was incredibly incompetent and poor and <laughs> dreadful. <laughs> I've only heard I like the, songs. the bitches. I haven't actually heard the albums. Escape is the only one I've heard. I haven't heard. I haven't heard the albums. Because I won't I won't buy I you know how I hate arena rock and if you know <laughs> But it's, we are going to review it's doing these records. A different thing, but, I mean, uh, we're going to review Journey and Foreigner and all that stuff, and we will hear it. And but I like the bitchiness. If you don't, even if you don't agree with them, like I just like because people are so yeah. people are so middle of the road with I, with their with their reviews nowadays. They give almost everything at least three stars. They never rip anything nowadays, and they never totally go ecstatic about i used to love when they had ecstatic reviews like this is the greatest album ever i love this i could die with this album which a lot of reviews were like that in the 70s and a lot of reviews were like man this is crap that i wouldn't even let my dog poo on (laughs) rock and roll was still kind of um, uh, an important thing Yes, and it was important what what you gave Judas Priest. You by didn't the way. know if you were listening to the next Sergeant Pepper's. Every every Judas Priest album, by the way, got only one star. No, <laughs> no. I mean, but if you're if you're a Judas Priest fan, uh, you can't take that seriously because you know what the problem is is that with a book like that, which I love because it's very snotty and it taught me how to kind of. Oh, there we go you know, be snotty like that. <laughs> and to like, when you don't like something, you say you don't like it. But what I don't like, and I and what I do like about the website, <laughs> what are you looking Can at? Can I just read the other one line? Just yeah. screaming for vengeance. Uh, Grunting, flailing, hard rock, as vulgar as its name, but less euphonious, for lovers of recycled Led Zeppelin riffs only. <laughs> you can't write that now. I love ages. the bitchiness. I love it. Um, I go to the all, all Music website all the time because what All Music does, which what they didn't do in the old days, is that they will, and we talked about this before, Rob, they assign people who like that the particular type of music, genre of music. That genre of music. So you get, okay. oh, this album is 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 good if you like this like they're very you don't they're got the democratic. rock guy trying to review exactly. a jazz album and you get a guy if he likes is easy listening music he he rates the barry manlow yeah you don't get some guy who hates barry manlow a bunch more reference to go off of to compare it to that's what this book is like is that is that there is, are times when you know almost actually half the book when they would assign the review to somebody who hated the music, <laughs> let alone hated the band in the first place, well, what else review are you going to get? You're going to get one star. And it may be correct or it may be totally wrong, but it's not accurate because the person hates the music in the first <laughs> place. That's why all music, if you ever want to look at uh, an album before you buy it or whatever or listen to it and see if it's worth it. They are very objective because they take every class of music objectively, which is what we try to do here. We don't want to be disrespectful to any kind of music, but there is some forms of music we don't like. And we're going to... But even even when we did the easy listening Mm -hmm. and the MOR uh, segment that we had where we had Captain and Tennille and Helen Reddy... I did not rate those records on how I personally felt because if I did, it would get like one star. <laughs> but I did rate it on how I actually thought what they were intending and blah, blah, blah. And to give it a fair rating, even though it still wasn't good, 
it's better than what I personally thought, which it should be thrown in the garbage as soon as possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? But these guys are going like, well, a lot of these, and and they're very euphoric about the records that they love too. But you have to, you can't, like, you can't assign somebody who hates heavy metal to uh, to listen to the discography album. of a heavy metal band. <laughs> limited personnel, limited budgets. And actually, uh, you know, it probably never occurred to them that uh, it could be separated. To... No, I, I don't it, think it was at that They time. had a staff of critics, and those were their critics. Yeah, those are their, you're exactly right. They had a staff of critics, and they would say, okay, you have, you, you take these bands, and you take this band, and you take this band, and that's how the editors would work on this record guide, and that's how things were done in those days. That's why it's not accurate, but it is entertaining, yeah. and it is a good guide. To know, like, oh, those are kind of, he says those are recycled Led Zeppelin riffs. I actually don't like Led Zeppelin. So maybe I'm not going to like Judas Priest. No, seriously. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like it is even that one little sentence. And if you like you, Led Zeppelin. Yes. Well, it's then it's like, I'm not going to listen to you that. I'm not going to listen to your review because I like Led Zeppelin. So I'm going to listen to I'm Judas Priest. I may like yourself. Rush, yeah. Rush actually comes off horribly in this book. <laughs> Their first three albums only only get one star, and they are again they are called um, a Led Zeppelin wannabe band in much worse terms, and yet, which is a lot what highfalutin critics thought it in in those days. Yeah, and also they were new, and to be fair, it did sound a lot more like Led Zeppelin than most other bands. Their the first time. three albums, so, they yeah, did, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did it, they give Twenty One Twelve? Did I get up to one and a half? I'm gonna check real quick. Oh, Helen, Helen already got a couple of. Uh, you know when you get worse than no stars. <laughs> when you get absolutely no, I'm gonna tell you what absolutely no stars is. <laughs> we've done that. Uh, we've done that. We've been there. We know what this guy's talking records, about. Records, records that are worthless. That's why I thought I called Captain Daniel. <laughs> Okay, worthless records that need never or should never have ever been created. <laughs> Reserved for the most pathetic bathwater to be thrown out. <laughs> Helen Reddy got a lot of those. She got a lot of those. We were much nicer to Helen Reddy than the Rolling Stone was. We're just looking up Rush here. Uh, you can't, unfortunately, get... They have had a couple of Rolling Stone review books. Uh, I think they've had two since this one. One in the early '90s and one, I think, about 15 years ago. But they're very, they're very tough, and they're not very accurate, uh, and they're not funny like these were. And I recommend the first two, the red, and the, the red and the blue. And if you're blue. looking for on Amazon for the used ones, uh, they're highly recommended uh, for what people actually thought back then. I'm just looking for Rush because, oh yeah, actually, Rob, after their first three albums. Uh, they got some really good reviews here. Uh, Rush, look at that, at the top of the page. Huh. Rush got uh, a lot of four-star... Four, three, four, four. From 2112 on, they pretty much got four stars at least. And that's uh, that's pretty good. Even all the worlds of stage got two, huh? Yeah. So if you can get past the first four records, I guess (laughs) is what they're saying. Uh, There's some great stuff there. Um... Uh, but anyways, I'll be looking at other books that uh, in other segments that that helped me a lot. I'm really Great. surprised that it was 1983. <laughs> Rock and roll books. <laughs> I'm really surprised. 1983. I was, uh, you know. Anyways, 
Yeah, it's a fun segment. It's because uh, I, I, well, I was going to start with a different book, which really helped me in the late 70s, 1980, maybe uh, find out about a lot of, of artists. But when I moved, I still can't find the book. <laughs> yeah, I've only moved like seven months ago and I still can't find things. Um, it's in a box somewhere. <laughs> it's in a box somewhere. Never so when really I find it, that. that will be the next book. <laughs> You're fully unpacked after about three years. <laughs> so uh, today's um, British New Wave album that we are going to review is Ratis Rat oh, Norvegicus by The Stranglers. And the album was released in 1977. Now, I told you what it would mean. It's the it's an actual it's actual word radis, not a it word, but two Latin, words. Um, it's uh, the uh, medical phrase for a black rat. I thought it was a brown rat. Same thing. But uh, is that that then brings me to my question? Is that rat also the uh, known as the the Norway rat? Sure. So, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, as you can tell by the year, it's a very it it's it kind of predates a little bit like new wave, but it doesn't. It does yeah, uh, The stranglers are really hard to uh, pin down. To pin down. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you first. I'm gonna tell you a little about their history, and then we're gonna get into that because um, they're kind of new wave, and they're kind of art rock, and they're kind of punk rock. And uh, I did actually. It kind of blew me away because uh, when I was listening to it, it's like uh, this is a fusion of uh, new wave and punk, and that had always been separate for me before. Yes, it was a very much. Uh, yes. Very much so. And art rock. There's art rock in there, too. Yeah, with those yeah. long uh, instrumental, well, not instrumental songs, but uh, the, the instrumental breaks, those are really imaginative. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead go. <laughs> I, I get a feeling we're going to have a divisive <laughs> sort of review of this album already. Um, <laughs> the Stranglers were actually a very mature band when they came on the scene with their first record. This is their first record, like I said. Now they they were already formed in 1974, which was way before not way before punk, but two years before punk got started in England and and even in America. And uh, first of all, the the musicians also in the band were were very mature musicians. The drummer Jet Black, which by the way is a great. Yeah. Who are you? I'm Jet Black. Um, Black. Jet was Black. almost 40 years old when this album was recorded. Uh, their first album. Um, and he's still going, well, he's not going strong. I think he's retired uh, because he is over 80, I think, yeah. now. Yeah, he is over 80. Yeah, and But I did, I was reading about him and he, he has, he has, you know, he's still a member, but he doesn't tour with them. So, because the Stranglers are still kind of going strong. Uh, so they were older people, so obviously they didn't exactly, you know, they started not really playing punk rock because it wasn't invented yet in 1974 when they started. Uh, they were kind of like a pre-punk psychedelic rock band. And you had uh, Hugh uh, Cornwell, who is a very eccentric person. He's no longer in the band. He has a solo career. And... Uh, you know, he was in his late 20s when, and this was very, very strange at that time because everybody was it 19 is. and 20 that was like making punk, punk and rock. new way were youth music. Oh, very, that's where very it came youthful, from. very <laughs> youthful. Like, even even if you were 20, well, the police were the police was a band that because they had Andy uh Summers in the band, 
Yeah. And he was, uh, he had already, he had been a couple of bands in the, he was with the uh, Eric Burton and the Animals in the that, late 60s. He was telling a story of uh, one opportunity he got to jam with Hendrix. Yes, he jammed so. with Hendrix. Mm. Yes, he did. And uh, Sting also, the police in general, uh, had, like Sting was a teacher for many years. So you know that he was in his late 20s <laughs> when Sting was, when, but I always thought, the police were very young because they always had bleached their hair, right? And yeah. they, they looked very young and they, they fit in with the new wave very well. And all the people listening to them were very young. So it's exactly. Uh, but they were, they matured quite a, quite a, a bit like uh, some new wave bands didn't. They moved on from their music and, you know, and, and that's why the police are legendary now. It's because they didn't just stay, even though their music, their new wave music is unbelievable. Yeah. They also moved on to synchronicity and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, the Stranglers, uh, you know, we're probably nobody knows about them in North America. They're not a, a known band here. Uh, and they're not really, they're more like a European, uh, especially UK band. Uh, they're not, ex- I don't know if, if, if anybody Their really. have been released in lots of places, but. I have no memory of ever hearing them. I was going to ask you that. Do you when I when I mentioned the Stranglers was going to be our album? Did you even know who I was talking about? No, I somehow thought country music. Right, see. <laughs> the Wranglers. Yeah, the, 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 the Stranglers are not. They're not uh, at all. I don't think well known here. I don't. I I remember my brother brought brought home this album. In 1979, early 1980, somewhere around there, and I was excited. I was excited every time my brother brought home albums because he usually, at that time, brought home really exciting or not exciting new wave punk rock because that was he was into. He was in a band. I mean, he was in a very popular band, and uh, so I was excited about this record uh, when he bought it. It looked really neat. I didn't get the four because. <laughs> It's the, the the title is subtitled four, which is because it's not their fourth record. So that threw me off. That that kind of pissed me off right off the start. <laughs> right from the start, I was pissed off if you're going to do that. And then I couldn't I couldn't say the name of the the album. I didn't know how to. Yeah, they're like that. That's how I would say it. And so, but I was excited because everything he brought home was you know just so exciting and new, and I loved you know the the energy of the you know of new wave music and punk i was, it was really like so cool to me and still is it still gives me the same rush as it did back then and i put it i i hated this record when i put this on in 1979 i just i listened to it once maybe twice to give it another chance and it was so different from the punk and new wave that was happening at the time like it was it didn't fit into either it of the boxes. It didn't fit into either of the boxes. It wasn't punk. It wasn't new wave. It was a little bit of both, but it wasn't yeah. strictly either one. It wasn't art mm. rock, but it, it ticked the box a little bit for art rock. It was a combination of all three. But when I when you come in expecting something and you don't kind of get what you're like, you're expecting it. And you, you get yeah, like more thinking... song orientated stuff. It, it throws you off a little bit. So I didn't like it. And I, I swear it was in my brother's collection for quite a while. And I would just look at it. I, I only, I, I, I played it once. I, I, I remember never listened to this band again is kind of what I made a mental note of. <laughs> um, 
but I also knew that, you know, as I got older, that the Stranglers were a pretty, pretty big band, not a big band, but a very well-known band mm -hmm. in Europe. And that influenced a few people and have influenced <clears throat> people. Um, Robert Smith of the Cure rates this as one of his favorite albums of all time. Uh, the one that we're reviewing today, which I have a hard time saying, Radis Novicicus. Radis something or other. Yes. And, the brown rat. Um, so this gave me a chance to re-listen to this album that I seriously haven't heard in about 40 years. And uh, I was not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're going to get a disagreement on this record, but I can actually pinpoint now what I don't like about this record that I probably couldn't put into words uh, when I was a youngster uh, at the time that well, I heard. Now it. you found the words. And yeah, just uh, I just you know what I can actually remember hearing this music. 40 years ago and i just remember going oh why are they why are they sounding like this because <laughs> keyboards were not a prominent part especially a punk no. music was not a prominent and part punk, i can't think of too and many bands that use exactly keyboards. and there's a lot it's a very uh and that's one of the things that kind of sort of pushed so, it in the new wave direction yeah that's why there's a part exactly that's why it's partly new wave and, and partly art rock because it's it, it has a little bit yes of, and, and that, and the, 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 like I say, the playing, the musicianship was really good. Though. By the way, Dave Greenfield, who was the keyboard player in the band, just passed away this year, unfortunately. I, I just wanted to bring that up. Now, before I, I talk about this album um, in a review situation, I just want to say that that this this album, strangely enough, <laughs> sorry, I don't want I don't want to sway any opinions. Uh, so I shouldn't say stuff like that, but it was ranked at the time number 10 among the top albums of the year for 1977 by the New Musical Express. It's listed in the book I just told you about. We were talking about books of the 1001 albums you Essential must hear before albums. you die. That's listed as one of the 1001 albums you should hear. Uh, and it was also voted number 766 in Colin Larkin's all time top 1000 albums. I don't know why, but it <laughs> is getting all those accolades. Now, it doesn't get a good review in the Rolling Stone record guide because I checked before the show, and uh, I'm not going to say what it gets because I'm not going to think that people, mm -hmm. I was swayed by their re review because I wasn't. I their review looked. is actually irrelevant. It's just there for entertainment. Yes, it's just there for entertainment. Um, there are many things I don't like about this record or this band, and it just doesn't hit me right. You know what hits me like? It hits me almost the same as the Grateful Dead. Like, how did this band get a record contract? <laughs> I always think about that with the Grateful Dead. Yet I think the Grateful Dead are much more talented than these guys. Um, but they don't have singers. Hugh Cornwell is not a good singer. Neither is Jean-Jacques Banel. No, you Bonnell. definitely got the punk feel. From they me. got the punk feel, which is more like attitude than actually <laughs> singing voice. Although Johnny Rotten has the attitude and the singing voice as far as Joe, Joe Strummer is another one. Uh, but some bands didn't. There were a lot of bands that did not have vocal uh, prowess that got record contracts and, and things. And I just, I didn't like the singing much. I just, it just, uh, a lot of attitude, but not, not much. Uh, 
Yeah, there's a couple Skill. songs that uh, actually uh, drove me away because of the singing. Uh, Peaches and Ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peaches is actually a pretty uh, degrading song in general. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, I like Dave Greenfeld's keyboards. I think that's one of the highlights of, of the album. If there are any, I think stand out. Those are stand those out parts that just yeah really uh, turn those um, the, the instrumental breaks into art rock. Exactly. And also, uh, I uh, agree. The bass playing, he had a really cool sound. He was almost like the, the John Twain. I love the bass playing on lots this Lots of treble, uh, lots of mid-range. What did you say? Lots of treble. No. Lots of, like John Entwistle. Yeah, I was gonna, that's what I was yeah. going to say. His his sound, without the, the 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 lot of notes, but actually sounds like John Entwistle's bass. Like yeah. boom, boom. And what I like, this is one of the real highlights of this record, is, is uh, Jean-Jacques uh, Burnell's bass almost leads every song it it really does it's so powerful it uh it's almost the anchor of every song plus the keyboards and that's very strange to have and i admire that because you know i actually think a lot of music should be anchored by a good bass sound which is he's got a thunder bass which is why yeah. they call john Entwistle. uh i forget now thunder fingers or whatever because it's is so the bass sound was very much like boom, boom, boom. Like, Auto Washburn B20 of his. Yes. And uh, I really love the bass sound. Really love Dave Greenfeld's uh, keyboard playing and uh, inventive licks that he came up with. The drum sound, you know, I said last show, or not the last show, but a couple of shows ago about the Grateful Dead, how they had one of the worst drum sounds that they get on a record. This, this has maybe... Maybe I've listened to a lot of records, so I can't say it's the definitive worst drum sound I've ever heard, but it's right up there in the top ten. It sounds like it sounds. First of all, it it, it just it don't give you a drum sound feel. Oh, it's just the the snare drum sounds like they broke the skin and they decided not to repair Let's it. Let's just carry on. <laughs> Keep recording. Time is it money. It is so weak. It actually made me weak. The drum sound was so weak. It made, and that's what drum, like Rob knows, I like, I will live and die by the, how a record is sometimes by the sound of the drums. That's the basis. Whenever I, uh, we go in mixing, it's always, okay, let's uh, mix the drums first. Let's start adding stuff on. Which is what I can't understand about this because the drums sound so yeah. weak. I'm not saying that Jet Black is a bad drummer. I just don't have the opportunity to find out because, because it was it's badly recorded. It's badly recorded badly recorded it sounds really limp and it may be the worst drum sound i have ever heard on a record it really is at least the weakest i've ever heard on a record and uh so you combine that with sometimes good songwriting sometimes not uh singing that i could do without but i've already mentioned the pluses to it you know it's really not my cup of tea it wasn't when i was 12 years old and it's not now. <laughs> I found that out that I had almost exactly the same feeling towards this album after not listening to it for 40 years, which is really strange. But um, I'm going to take it with Rob. I'm not going to talk about any specific song because I did like Sometimes, the first song off the record, though. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did really. It was a very catchy song. Hanging um, Around, I liked I'm going to let Rob talk about it for a bit, because I know he probably disagrees with me on this one. <laughs> I did like a lot of it. 
I, uh, the, the, like I said, the instrumental parts really grabbed me. It was like, what the hell is he playing on keyboards there? And the, the bass is matching. The guitar played some imaginative parts, but I got uh, the impression listening, uh, he wasn't uh, an overly talented guy. But uh, he sure picked the right, uh, the right parts, I thought, for it. And, yeah, probably about half a dozen. The whole first side I kind of liked, and about half the second side. That's pretty good. Uh, but, no, I liked it. I uh, did, Like I say, it was kind of a surprise to me. It was like, okay, is this punk? Is this new wave? It's, it's kind of both. You know what's funny? How you were surprised by it in a good way. Yeah. And I was surprised by it 40 years ago in a bad, in a bad way. way. Yeah, <laughs> I really was. Like, almost as soon as I... You're went... expecting a certain thing and you don't get the thing. Right. I was expecting a certain thing. I didn't get the thing. But it was a weird well, thing we were that I kind of liked. It, well, we were expecting the same thing. Um, like yeah. a new wave record. This is either new wave. This I know what new wave sounds like. I know what punk sounds like. It's going to sound like one of these. There's something about this sound that just... I just... I just don't... It sounds very... Um, it sounds very amateurish to me, and uh, it sounds it's amateur vocals, it's amateur uh, dr- drum lyrically. Playing. I thought it was uh, hit or miss, a whole lot more miss than hit. They did have a few good lines in there, but uh, I, I have ideas. to admit, yeah, I, I have to agree that there was some good lines. It wasn't the the lyric writing wasn't the worst part of it. It was kind of like how they put it across, like a singing. Yeah. Uh, but there were some good lines. Not, I'm not saying that they're that that the lyrics were exemplary. I'm just saying that there were good lines in there. Um, some of the song, well, Peaches was, you know, I, I'm not even going to talk about that. <laughs> it's a degrading song, especially nowadays compared to 1977. It's a little. You can't get lyrics like that. <laughs> and that was, it was actually played on the radio. Uh, people who haven't heard the record probably want to know what we're talking about, but it's not worth it. <laughs> you don't need to know. It's just, it's just, uh, no, you don't need to know. Um, yeah, the other stuff, yeah. Yeah, I like. I really like. Sometimes I I really like that song, and uh, which is the first song, and that's about the only thing I liked on it. To be to be honest with you, that really, there was really a lot of. I should say this though, there was a lot of good ideas for songs, a lot of good parts, but nothing really came together in a song. Like if there's a good keyboard part, something else fucked up on the song, <laughs> which made me dislike. It. Or if it's a good written song, it was the amateurish playing, that that somehow took away the power of the song something always took away the power of the of the song for me because i felt that there was half of this album is is nicely written like the songs are actually pretty good written written songs if that's good english um but i just found that the amateurishness of either the playing or the singing or their take on it just didn't drew the power of the song away just just zapped oh, so much of the power away. It could have been more than it was. Yes, because I, I sense some potential there. I do. I, this is not bad songwriting. Some of these are actually, no, could have been catchy. Good playing. But I go, oh, why did they do that? Why did they do that? Almost every time, except for sometimes, which, again, I thought was, should have been a single and should have, you know, even could have done, maybe did do well in England. It wouldn't, none of this album would do well in North America. And there's a reason, I think, why the Stranglers are almost unknown in North America. No, this always sounds like something you'd hear at a club, but not a disco. Exactly. This band is hard to fit into any kind of category. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm going to give it two and a half. 
out of five uh, just because uh, it's average at best, but it's also pretty, the half is because it's, it's adventurous at the time. And that's, yeah, it wasn't like the other kids were doing. It wasn't what the other kids were doing. You got to give them that much. I the two other songs I like with "Hanging Around" and "Get a Grip on Yourself." But, oh, uh, I like "Hanging Around" too. Yeah. I uh, I give it uh, three and a half stars. I liked uh, listening to this one. Uh, oh. I like "Down in the Sewer" just for its uh, length and weirdness. <laughs> it is a weird <laughs> song. There is some weird. Ending song with there. the toilet flushing. Remember we tried to uh, record a toilet flushing and uh, our engineer refused. <laughs> we had so many engineers like tell us. Can't do this. Can't do that. You can't do this. And then we, your album's going to be the way I want it to be. Do you understand? Is. This is not what commercial music sounds like. I'm and, smart, and you're not. Oh, I, we have. We could talk about this for hours <laughs> if we want, but we're getting to the point of just saying the artist actually knows best. It only took us 30 years to realize <laughs> that what we actually wanted to do was the right decision almost every time. And yet, depending on the decade or the year that we recorded in, the engineer or whoever was in charge always wanted it to sound hip and modern. And yep. we said, no, if you sound hip and modern, then you're then you're this putting the it way. in a certain uh, era and people won't listen to it again. Trust us, we know what we're doing. And they would always <laughs> do it anyways, do what they wanted anyways. Bitches. And uh, we had some real good for ideas. For the first years, I trusted him. For the years after that, I just gave up. No. Then you couldn't even trust your band members. <laughs> They'd erase your parts. Anyways, we're not getting into that. Um, Do you want to end the show? We're go- you know what? We have made this show close to 50 minutes. And I am so happy we got in our segment. We got in everything this week. I even added the story, about which I didn't have in the script, about... Uh, us having to work on the weekend because we got of the to weather. read some reviews. Wow, or at least some ratings. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. So uh, I just want to say, yeah, uh, Rob gave it. By the way, Rob, I'm a three said, and a half star guy. Half. I gave it two and a half. I don't recommend it. Rob does. <laughs> well, yeah. Really. If you're adventurous, I do recommend it. If you're an adventurous listener, you might like it. Uh, that is our show for today. Next week, we have one more album to, to review in our British New Wave series that we are going to do. And we are expecting next week, Rob doesn't know this, we're expecting a visit from Gary Berghoff of MASH fame. He's Get out of to, town! He's going to drop by and tell us some interesting things about the 1970s. But, of course, he could change his mind and not show up, Rob. <laughs> My sister, uh, the one who deserves a good badge chicken. <laughs> Harry Berghoff was in town and uh, he was doing some stuff and uh, she uh, said uh, he was a, a most unpleasant fellow. But I think she was expecting Radar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think your sister thinks that most people are unpleasant people. I, uh, and if Gary Berghoff doesn't show up, <clears throat> I'm not promising he's going to. It's just that he said he was going to drop by. I don't know, who knows? We can always call Rolf Harris to fill in. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to look up on uh, Google. Who's Rolf, Rolf Harris? Harris. It's spelled R-O-L-F. <laughs> <laughs> so, until then, stay safe and goodbye. Goodbye. I just write her on.